0: creative podcast where we hear from creative experts influencers dreamers and doers what they've learned and what we can learn from their journey as we explore respond and create
1: Hey, welcome to the podcast. This is Rich Langton speaking and uh, well, I'm glad to be here and talking to you for another episode. If you've been following along with us on social media, or if you're part of our team somewhere around the world, then you will know that here in Sydney, we have just launched team nights for 2020. If you're a new listener, then you may not know about Cassandra Langton. She's my wife. She's the global head of Hillsong Creative. So at the start of each year, Cass usually speaks to us and she sets us in a direction and sets the tone for what it is that she's believing God for, for our team. Last year, we, um, we named the year, the year of Alfred, which there's a whole story to why we called it Alfred and that whole thing. If you um, haven't heard that, um, we, put, we included that in an episode earlier. So go back and check out that, a year called Alfred. But this year named it something different and I guess she really wanted to help us frame our year and I don't want to say too much but uh, we'll jump straight in and I'll talk to you again at the end.
0: Welcome to team night! This is my favourite place to be. I feel like this is a safe place. It's a creative place. It's a place where the Holy Spirit shows us what He wants to do on Sundays. It is a place of friendship and belonging and a place where your craft gets refined. We actually say that there are three C's of team night built on a foundation of Christ. This is where you come for community. This is where you come to refine your craft. And this is where you come for culture. So if you wonder what it looks like to build a creative team, wonder no more, come on a Thursday night and you're going to love it. We do all sorts of stuff. So I actually believe this year is going to be a year unlike any other. I think God is going to ruin us this year. I think He has plans and intentions for us. We've been praying for revival for the last two years. And I actually think He's going to prepare us for what that looks like. And it may not be comfortable but it will be fun and it will take some tenacity and some resilience and some determination and some grit. So I'm ready, I don't know about you, but I am ready and on behalf of us all, I'm saying God do it, right? So, okay, this could be awesome or awful, I'm not sure, but I've got props, I've got a title and I feel like I have something from the Lord to share. So this year, Last year, we started the year and we called it a year called Alfred, right? This year, I have a new title for the year and it is called this, a year worth framing. Oh, a year worth framing. So Hebrews 11.3 says this, by faith, everybody say "By By by faith. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the very Word of God so that things seen we're not made of things that are visible. Go with me. I've just come back from holidays. I love holidays. Rich and I and the kids had three weeks away. It was like absolute luxury after a pretty big 2019. And normally when I go on holidays, I love to read. So I like to read normally theology, or I like to read Gabe Kelly's latest creative process book that he goes, you should read this, this is awesome, Baba Iger and the Disney story. And like there are stories like that. Sometimes I like to get lost in World War II novels. Yeah. A little bit of Diary of Anne Frank or Make Believe. But this year, Lily handed me a couple of murder mysteries. And she is my daughter. And so I sat by the pool and literally devoured murder mysteries. I don't normally like murder mystery books, but somehow I found myself lost in the middle of it. I was in like 1825 on the gold fields of New Zealand. Anyway, it was unbelievable. And literally every day I would get up in the morning and I would read for like seven or eight hours by the pool because I wanted to find out who had done it. And when I finally got through that book, she handed me the next one and it was called The Seven Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle. I don't wanna recommend it yet because I haven't finished, but I started reading and as I'm reading, it's like awesome because people are getting framed for murder and then there are fingerprints all over the thing and I'm like Nancy Drew or Sherlock Holmes trying to work out how does this all fit together and how do the dots connect and what is going on? And when they find the fingerprints, I'm like, ooh. And it got me thinking about fingerprints. So I opened Google and I started to Google about fingerprints and I found out some pretty cool things. Do you want to know what I found out? Whether you do or not, you have to, right? So here's what I found out, that fingerprints, you know that they're unique, right? No two people on earth have the same fingerprints. In fact, they say there's a one in 64 billion chance that you'll have the same fingerprints as somebody else. That's pretty amazing odds, but what you might not know is that your fingerprints are actually formed in the womb by your fingers rubbing against your mother's uterus. It's a bit yuck, right? (laughs) Kind of. But you get ridges and grooves in your fingers from the friction. Isn't that fascinating? And they're called something like maybe friction ridges. Now, here's the deal. You can have the same DNA as somebody else. But not even twins who have matching DNA have the same fingerprints because they're so unique. Now, I think that's really fun because that enables people to locate you at the scene of a crime. In fact, in 1892, fingerprints were used for the first time to discover a crime. The guy's name was Eduardo Alvarez. Do you like that? And he was a Bonazarian. He discovered that a girl called Francesca killed her two sons and then slit her own throat in an attempt to make it look like somebody else had done it. But the fingerprints gave it away. Nice, right? Yeah. So fingerprints are part of your identity, which we learnt when we went to get into America at the start of January. So has anybody ever gone to border control at America and you put your fingers on the screen? That's fine. We get off flight QF10 or whatever it is, we go in through LA, it's fantastic. The lines are horrific, the escalators are jammed, we can't get into the customs hall. When we finally get in, we put our things on the fingerprints, everything ticks, bing, 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 bing. And Tom, who is our 14-year-old son, soon to turn 15, his fingerprints go red and there's a big cross across the screen and it says, please line up for the next two and a half hours to be allowed to see the customs guy. When we finally get there, they tell us that because Tom's 14 and turning 15, he now qualifies to be registered with fingerprints to go into America. So they take samples of his fingerprints, they put it on, and now they know what Thomas looks like. Cool? Identity. If you are an OCD mum or creative, and somebody touches your new guitar, Nigel, which is glossy and been polished for a Sunday, and you see the fingerprints that get left. How many of you get frustrated? Kitchen fridge, windows, whatever it is, if there are fingerprints on things, kitchen benches start to sparkle them because you actually don't like them there. Because fingerprints indicate that somebody else has been at the scene. Now, here's the coolest thing. So fingerprints tell us about crime scenes, fingerprints reveal your identity, But there was a girl called Sarah Bond and she wrote a very cool article and the article was entitled What Can Fingerprints Tell Us About Ancient Artists? And she said while fingerprints are awesome at crime scenes, they're way more impressive when it comes to art. And she said the thing is about fingerprints is that they teach us about who artists are. She said, the truth is that in history there are more artefacts that have people's fingerprints on them than anything else. So in ancient Egypt, when they're making those clay scrolls, by accident when people were writing, they would put their fingers on the clay tablets and they would make imprints of fingers. When people scribed Bible and all those sort of things accidentally in the ink, they would put their fingers in them and put fingerprints on the edge of scrolls. And when Leonardo da Vinci was painting, They say that he accidentally got ink on his fingers and when he touched documents and artwork, they would be left with imprints of his fingers. They said the coolest thing is about that is that the fingerprints reveal things like gender. They reveal all sorts of things about the person or the artist who is creating. I love the thought that fingerprints indicate that an artist is at work. Because Sarah Boyd says this, the allure of identifying artists through their fingerprints has never dissipated with time. It means that for us as humans, we never get sick of identifying artists by their fingerprints. Track with me. Isaiah 64 8 says this about God. You are our father and we're the clay. You are the potter and all of us are the work of your hands. Truth is, if you find yourself at creative tonight, chances are you would call yourself a Christian. Chances are when you got saved, you decided to put your life on the potter's wheel. You put yourself in the hands of God. And as a result, He has put His fingerprints all over your life. You are marked by God. His hand is on you, it is shaping you, it is crafting and creating. Now here's the deal. Sometimes I think in life, as creatives we're quite emotional. As creatives we tend to go, I can't believe that things aren't working out for me the way that I thought they would. Yep, God, that went wrong right here. Tragedy struck, something went wrong, couldn't pay my college fees, my marriage is in shambles, my mental health is not what it should be. And you actually approach God like you are in the middle of a crime scene. And you go, Where are you? Why aren't you here? Why can't I see your fingerprints all over this? You've done this to me. You created this kind of drama that I find myself in. I talk to lots of people regularly and the question keeps coming up, where's God in the middle of my tragedy? Why isn't he here? You know, I've been serving every Sunday and this is what I get for it. I've been putting him first since I was a little girl and it hasn't gone like they said it would go. I did everything right. I put the principles in action, it doesn't work. I gave my tithe and now I've got less money than when I started. Duh. (laughs) Sometimes life doesn't work like we intend for it to. But you and I have to choose not to try to see life like a crime scene where we are searching for fingerprints to accuse God of either being the one that caused the tragedy or being absent. But in another way, so many of us have been Christians for so long that you can do exactly what God's asked you to do without ev- any evidence of his fingerprints on your life. And I reckon it's a tragedy for some of us. We've been Christians for long enough that we come to Sundays and go, you know what, I can get up and lead worship, but I don't even need God's hand on me. I know exactly how to lead to get them engaged. I know how to go after that guy in the back row and get him in. You play your guitar and you go, you know what, I don't really need God to come through because I've practiced all the chords, I've got it. Some of you approach the production desk, you don't even pray about the Sunday service, about what God wants to do. We get up on a Monday morning and instead of actually going, Holy Spirit, what have you got for me today? We go, you know what, I've got this. It's pretty much the same week as I had last week and I know how to manage all this. I know how to get my kids to school, I know how to do my work, I know how to go to uni, I know how to drive the car. I can do it all without the fingerprints of God. And others of you, you're like the kids at the window. You're like, I see your fingerprints everywhere. God's doing everything for me. He's amazing. That coincidence, that was God. There was God. Look at God. He's everywhere. Look at all those fingerprints. My life is so stained by prints, fingerprints. Don't you love my life and love what God's doing in me? And we all hate you. (laughs) True? Just a little bit. The Bible is full of stories about God's fingerprints. And I actually have a sense that 2020 is meant to be a year of clarity for our creative team, a year of increased vision, and a year where you and I actually begin to look and see God's fingerprints on our life. Where we don't question where he is, but we go, I see him, he's at work. I see what he's doing. I acknowledge his sovereignty. I acknowledge I am on the potter's wheel and I'm going to leave myself right there and allow him to pressure and push and shape and mould me into what he wants me to become. You know, There's a story in the Bible about Esther. She's a queen. She's actually just a really regular Jewish girl. And she finds herself in front of the king and her uncle says, I dare to believe you came into the kingdom for such a time as this. And in the whole book of Esther, God's name isn't mentioned once. And yet his fingerprints are clearly evident the whole way over the story. He is working and manoeuvring and orchestrating things behind the scene. He's making Esther aware of his intentions through other people and their words over her life. And she is responding to God at work in surrender and submission and in boldness and in stepping up to the plate when she doesn't want to. And it is a really cool story. There's another story in 2 Kings 6. And it's one of my favourites. And if you've been around for any length of time, you've probably heard it over and over. But I love it because it's a story about Elisha. And the king has got a plot and a vendetta against Israel. And it says, the king was enraged. In verse 11, it says he summoned his officers and he demanded them, tell me which of you is on the side of the king of Israel? Because they kept getting some intelligence telling them what was gonna happen and Israel responded so they could never ambush them. And they said, none of us, the Lord, my king, said the officers, but Elisha the prophet who is in Israel, the king, he tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go and find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send my men and capture him. And the report came back, he's in Dotham. And so they sent horses and chariots and strong forces there and they went by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do, said Elisha's servant. And he said, don't be afraid, the prophet answers. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, and I love this prayer, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire around Elisha. You know, God had this army, angel army around Israel to protect them. And the servant couldn't see it, but when Elisha prayed, his eyes were open and he saw something supernatural. I believe in creative this year, some of us need to have our eyes open to see God at work. He is always at work. He isn't finished with us, For some of you, he is only just getting started. He has intentions and plans for 2020 and his fingers are on you and you are gonna need some help to actually see what he plans to do with your life this year. You're gonna need some people like Elisha to come alongside of you and go, let me pray for you because I can see what God's doing in you. You just can't see it yet. I can see that he has every intention to do good things in your life. Now for some of you, you'll think that's opportunity and I'm not talking about opportunity. I'm not talking about platform time. I'm not even talking about what you're going to do in our team this year. Because to be honest with you, I think God cares far more about who you become than what you do for him. I think he cares far more to create and shape your life into something that is worthy of his love and affection than he cares about what you're going to do. Now We'll serve him. Of course we will. It's a byproduct of loving him. It's part of our sacrifice. But his intention is first and foremost to do something in you. John 16, verses 4 to 7. I think they're going to come up on the screen. It says this. Jesus is in the garden and he knows his death is imminent and he's talking to his disciples about what happens when he's not with them what happens when he doesn't actually physically get to touch them, when they can't see his fingers. He says this, I've told you these things so that when the time comes and they start in on you, you'll be well warned and ready for them. I didn't tell you this earlier because I was with you every day. But now, I'm on my way to the one who sent me. Not one of you has asked where are you going. Instead, the longer I've talked, the sadder you've become. So let me say this again, this truth. It is better for you that I leave. If I don't leave, the friend won't come. But if I go, I'm going to send him to you. You know, the Holy Spirit is the friend that comes when Jesus is absent. When you can't see where Jesus is, the Holy Spirit is the one who comes to actually reveal the Father. Reveal the truth of Jesus Christ. Reveal what is going on in your life. The Holy Spirit is a gift of God to you and to me to allow us to see God's fingerprints at work. This year, Pastor Brian has said, this is a year of Holy Spirit power. And he is gonna unpack that on Vision Sunday. But I get this sense that we are meant to seek the kingdom and everything that God has for us using the Holy Spirit as our helper, that He is going to guide you in truth this year, that He is going to be the dust that identifies the fingers of Jesus at work in your life. Now, here's the deal. In John 20, 22, Jesus does something crazy. He breathes on His disciples and He says, receive the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the breath of God. The breath of God brings your life alive. The breath of God identifies God at work. The breath of God makes you able to see the fingerprints of the Master on your life, lets you see what He's doing and allows you the option to go, yep, I'm in, I'm gonna partner with you. God's creating a masterpiece in your life through the Holy Spirit. He wants the world to see His fingerprints on you. You have to partner with him and allow him to breathe on your life and let him produce some art. Got it? What do you have to let him produce? Okay, imagine this. Imagine 2020 where you begin to go, I'm Dean Usher. Dean Usher is our Melbourne campus pastor. The guys are at Scott's Cathedral tonight and they are part of team night. 1st of January, 2020, Dean Usher says to his wife, I'm going to go for a surf before we get in the car and go home. She goes for a surf. Things don't go well when he's surfing. Now, he's grown up surfing his whole life. Everything is starting to go wrong. And instead of jumping off the back of the board like he would normally, he dived off the front and he felt his neck pop. Things went awfully wrong. We get a photograph from Taryn Stokes of Dean in a neck brace on an ambulance stretcher going to North... Shaw Hospital, on New Year's Day. Not the way he intended for it to go. Went straight to the hospital and we started praying. The doctors actually said to Dean, after an MRI, this could have been awful. But God spared him. Fingerprints of God. Does he still have recovery? Yes. Is he still in a neck brace now? Yes. Does he look like a Star Wars stormtrooper? Yes. But God was at work. Dean Usher's life. Yesterday, Micah had and Rachel Rose had a baby girl. Yesterday, Kimmy Denton had a little girl. Fingerprints of God at work. For some of you, life doesn't look like what you're hoping for it to look like at the moment. And you've got to search for the fingerprints of God. Some of you will go, you know what, I don't know anything except that. I have a Bible in my hand and I'm committed to getting up every morning and reading it. And that looks like the fingerprints of God on your life. Some of you will have stories of miraculous provision and testimony and more power to you, and that is amazing, and share those stories. And others of you will be holding on for grim life. But part of us doing this community together is that we begin to talk about the fingerprints of God and where we've seen Him doing things in our life. Where we've actually gone, you know what? I need you to show me where you see God at work in my life because I don't know. I need you to encourage me with a verse because I don't have anything for myself and I just need a reminder that God's hands on me. He hasn't forgotten me. He hasn't left me. He hasn't abandoned me. He has good plans and good intentions for me. I am gonna stick it out. I am gonna remain here. I am gonna keep serving and I am gonna turn up. Because the truth is that until the artwork is beautiful, God hasn't finished. Until the pot is completed, the potter will keep you on the wheel. And if you fail to yield to the process, he will squash you and begin all over again. And it's awful and comforting at the same time because God has an end in mind for you and I. And that end in mind is good. And the truth is, he's making art and it's worth framing. Anything beautiful is worth framing. I read a real fun article at the start of last year by um, some guys who are in our church, the Blacklist guys, Janie and Nate Johnson, and they make beautiful art. And she wrote this thing about how to decorate your house. She said, art's expensive, but if you can't find art, then just find a poem, find anything and put it in a frame because everything in a frame is better. And I remember reading her article going, I want things to frame. I want really beautiful things to frame. Now, the truth is I didn't have what I wanted to frame. And I I remember just before Colour going to God, I want poems like she's got to frame. I know this sounds ridiculous and maybe a little bit pathetic. It was true. I like things to look nice. I like to have a nice house. I like those things. So at Colour, I um, went up and saw her after I had spoken a message. And she's kind of sitting in the aisles a little bit sheepish. And I was chatting a little bit, and then I went, OK, Jenny, I've got to go, see you later. And I leave, and as I go to leave, she grabs me. And she goes, this is going to sound really stupid, Cass, and it's quite embarrassing. But while you were speaking, I wrote you a poem. And she handed me this which you can see I still haven't framed, but (laughs) with her really beautiful writing, she wrote something really meaningful and beautiful. And I nearly lost it because I saw God at work. I saw a God who listens to the ridiculous prayers of a girl who goes, I want a poem to frame, by the lady who wrote the article. And there he is just working on stuff. So I have something beautiful to frame. Now, why frame it? Why does framing matter? Framing matters because a frame draws attention to the art. Framing matters because framing gives context to what you're seeing. Framing matters because it adds depth. Framing matters because it keeps your focus. And framing matters because it intrigues a viewer. If you think about your life and framing the fingerprints of God that you find and discover in your life, and think about this, think about the thought that your framing of your life will draw attention to what God's doing in it. Framing your life will give context to seasons. Framing your life is gonna create a depth in your walk with the Lord. Framing your life is gonna keep your eyes focused on what the main thing is, not let you get sidetracked or bent out of shape. And framing your life is gonna let people who look on, who have no idea who God is, see Him at work. I've been reading verses. The Bible is our framework. You know, so often we're the people that go, God, I want a word. I want a word. I want a word from you. I want that God to prophesy over me tonight. I want to hear what you're saying. And the truth is he has given you so many words with which to frame your life and understand and provide context. And he's put it in your hands and he said every day, my word can be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. I'm willing to frame your life I'm willing to help you see me at work. I'm willing to let my Holy Spirit provide context. And so there's things in here like this, 2 Corinthians 4, 17. For our present troubles are small. They won't last long, but what they will do is produce in us a glory that vastly outweighs the problems that will last forever. Therefore, we don't look at the trouble that we see now. We fix our eyes on what can't be seen, things that will last forever. Yeah, this word, it says things like this. And here's the deal, Ephesians 1.20, Jesus, He is in charge of everything. And He has the final word on everything. And at the centre of it all, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, it isn't peripheral to the world. The world isn't where the main game is going on. The church is, and the church is Christ's body and in it, He speaks and acts and fills everything with His glory. I love these verses that are framing our lives. It says in 2 Corinthians 6.12, We didn't fence you in. The smallness that you feel, it comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you are living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. You know, I wanna challenge you, Hillsong Creative, tonight, that maybe, maybe you've tried to frame your lives with the Word of God. Maybe you've tried to frame what God is doing in it the right way. But I dare to say that we have been framing them too small, that it is time for us to open our eyes and reset the frames of our lives, to actually put what God is doing here in our community, here in your individual life, here in our church on display, to actually go, God, I wanna frame this in the right way. I wanna see my troubles as temporal, no matter what life throws at me. And we've had some pretty horrific things thrown over the last few weeks, fires and floods and death and all sorts of things that you read on the news. But I wonder if we have the ability to hold on to hope, to go, you know what? This life, it's temporal, yes, it hurts, but there is something way better ahead than what we will ever leave behind. There is a perspective right now in this life that I need to hold on to, that it doesn't matter what 2020 brings, I will be found standing firm at the end, seeking God, loving Him and looking for Him. I think in 2020, we have to have some sort of commitment that goes, and Jesus is in charge of it all, like it says in Ephesians 1. That He has the final say and the final word on everything. And He hasn't finished speaking. And if it is silent, it's okay. Because maybe you're on the wheel and you just have to feel His fingers on you. Just have to remind yourself that He's got you. He is the potter. You are the clay and His hands are on you. Maybe you have to actually go, I've stopped believing for more. I've actually allowed my life to become small, confined, controlled. But I'm gonna open it up again. I'm gonna believe again for miracles. I'm gonna trust God again for more. I'm gonna actually throw everything in His court and go, God, you can because you said you could. I'm gonna take you at your word. Continue to do what you are doing in me. He is working everything together for good. So then the question is, What's framing you here? What's framing your days? Do you get home at night and is your day framed by what you watch on TV, by what the news says, by the latest song that you're listening to, by Justin Bieber's Yummy? (laughs) Like, what is it that is framing you? Is it what people say about you? Is it what you've heard? Is it the rejection you've felt? Or is your day framed by super sweet conversations where you've talked about what God's doing, your expectation and your hope? Are you framing your life out of devotion, out of sincerity and out of submission? What is it that is going to frame your 2020? In the Langton family every year, for the last few years we've sat down and gone, okay, what are we going to call our year? What's the name of the year? Last year it was Alfred because it was a year that was going to serve us. Like Batman's butler. But this year, when we sat in Hawaii, we went, okay, what's this year called? And Tom goes, it's the year of the rat. We're like, what? He goes, Chinese New Year, it's the year of the rat. He goes, I think we should call the year a meal. We're like, what? He goes, oh, he's a Disney rat. You should call it a meal, he likes food. And then we went, oh, a meal, okay, ha-ha. Thought it was funny, right? But it was funny until we started to look up what does a meal mean? And it means industrious, hardworking, hospitable, kind. And we went, oh, that's the type of year that we want 2020 to be. I want to frame my year with the word a meal. Frame it in industry, where I actually get busy, Serving God. When I used to run cross-country races, my dad would go, run as hard as you can to the finish line and you can rest when you get to the end. And sometimes I think that about life. I think we're so ready for a rest and to pull up the posts and just to sit back. We've worked hard and we've served for the last five years in creative. But potentially, this could be a year of industry. Could be a year where we put our hand to the plough again and we don't look back. A year where we rest in the right spaces and we work hard in the right spaces. That's what my year is going to be. It's going to be a year of industry. So my question is, what word is going to frame your year? What are you believing for for yourself? What are you trusting God for? Second thing is, what scripture are you going to let frame your year? You know for me, my scripture that frames this year, it's Psalm 37:37. 37, 37. And it says this: "Keep your eye on the healthy soul. Scrutinize the straight life. There is a future in strenuous wholeness." I love that, because it plays right into my thought about industry. If I'm going to get whole, it's going to take work. If I'm going to actually do what I want to do and become who I want to become then I need a healthy soul. I need my eyes on the straight life and I need to work towards wholeness. And so that means then the other thing that I need to do to frame my year is put some good habits in place. You know, I decided that when I read that verse and called my year a year of industry, that the only thing that was gonna bring that out was gonna be a healthy commitment to prayer a different commitment to what I've had before. I'm gonna learn to pray like I've never learned to pray before. And that means for me that every morning, I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna listen to an app called Pray As You Go. It's a 15 minute prayer app on meditation. You don't have to do it, you might think it's weird. But I'm gonna do it because I'm committed to cultivating a more rounded, rich prayer life. I want God to shape me. And I wanna become somebody that He trusts to pray for the earth and her leaders, and people in government, and things that concern Him. So tonight, I actually believe that 2020, we are going to see God do what He has never done in our midst. That we are actually going to have a year where together, we go, can you see God at work? I can see Him. I pray your eyes would be open, like Elisha prayed that you will see things that you have never seen before in your life and other people's lives. But I pray that as you find it, that you would frame it in the right things. I pray that tonight you would go home from here and go, God, what is the word that you would put over my year? What is the scripture that I'm gonna put on my bathroom mirror and actually commit to memory? And it's gonna help frame my confession, my faith, my belief, my passion, my service, my love for you. And God, what's one habit that you require from me? Yeah, for some of you, it'll just be you need to confirm your rosters quicker. For some of you, it'll be a habit of positivity, actually stopping whinging about everything and everyone else, making a habit to be the up guy in the room. Some of you, your habit will be, I need to be a little bit more realistic about life. I ain't stop being the positive guy all the time. Some of you, your habit might be daily Bible reading and your U-version streaks like we talked about last year. Some of you, it might be exercise and actually looking after your body. Some of you, it might be earlier nights to bed on Sunday nights, Saturday nights. I don't know what your habit is. But I think as you work out what your word is, what your scripture is, then you can form some habits that actually allow us to get to the end of 2020 and realise that we've had a year worth framing. And I'm committed to that because if as a community we seek God and we frame our lives well, then anything is possible this year. And God will do far more than we can ever ask, hope, think or imagine. And Rich Langton. Do you want to come pray for our 2020?
1: Hey, pray with me. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful that we get to be a part of what you are doing on the earth. Lord, that we get to be a part of of your church and your kingdom and that, Lord, your fingerprints are all over us. Thank you, Jesus, that your Holy Spirit is breathing, is amongst us and is working. And so, God, I pray with our team that, Lord, you would continue your work in us that Lord, You would open our eyes, open our ears. Let us see You at work. Lord, let us be the ones to encourage each other and to see You in, in mighty ways working and moving on the earth. And so God, we commit that Lord, we will open Your Word. Lord, we commit to finding Scripture and getting it into us. And Lord, we commit to creating good habits and Lord, we commit to being all you want us to be this year. I pray God, that as we do that, we would see you at work and that you would do more, like Cass said, that we could ask, think or imagine. And Lord, for those amongst us that are in a hard spot right now, God, I pray that you would speak your encouragement, that you would fill them afresh, that you would do new things, that you would just be all they need you to be. And that Lord, we would stand with them in their trial, but that, Lord, we would see them as momentary and just nothing in, compar- in comparison to Your glory. And, God, we remember that You are coming back, that You are going to restore all things and that, God, we get to be a part of it. We are grateful and we are thankful. In Your mighty Name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. So here's the homework dear. Hold on, Rich Langton. OK, on, at Hills Creative, at Cass Langton, on our Insta stories is going to be your homework. If you want to, you're going to take the dare. It looks like this. There's an Insta story and it has little things for you to fill in that says your scripture for the year, your word for the year, your habit for the year. You're going to write your goals in. You are going to hashtag a year worth framing. And we're gonna become more Christ-like, more dependent on the Holy Spirit. And we're gonna get really dusty, with the Holy Spirit on us. And that is the end, in Jesus' Name, Amen.
1: I hope you enjoyed that message from Cass and from our team night here in Sydney, Australia. So if you wanna join us as listeners of the podcast with our journey of Hillsong Creative and that homework that Cass set, the image that she talked about is in the show notes. And so feel free to let us know what your three things are, what your scripture, your word, and what your habit is going to be. So use the hashtag that Cass mentioned, hashtag a year worth framing. And don't forget to tag Cass and and myself. I'd love to hear from you guys and see what you guys are um, believing for, for this year. Anyways, that's all we have for this week's episode. But coming up next time, we have some special guests on the podcast that we've not had before. And I know you're gonna love this one. So if you're not subscribed already, I'd love to invite you to do that. You know, hit that subscribe button, get on the journey with us, and that way you won't miss out on the next episode. And you can really become part of this community that we're building. People who are exploring their creativity and their faith and how they can uh, live better lives for Jesus. So subscribe. And we'll talk to you soon. All the best.